Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. to temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the It's been about a year, I believe, since I was here, and there have been some, uh, some good developments that I want to share with you all this morning. If you're here today and you're not familiar with Together for Hope, we are a loosely organized group of ministry sites, sort of like faith-based nonprofits, that have been planted in some of the highest poverty counties or parishes around the country. One of those places, of course, is the northeastern corner of our state in East Carroll Parish in the parish seat of Lake Providence. I'm now the third full-time director who lives and works in town, and we do so to try to interrupt these cycles of generational poverty that are so persistent. 
At the least, we try to help individuals and families as they navigate the consequences of poverty in which 56% of the people in town live. So what all do I do in this ministry? While the bulk of my time is spent with different goals related to education, I want to start this morning on a different note or with another aspect of my work that I don't often mention as much. One characteristic of many high poverty areas are high rates of various types of physical abuse. Bear in mind that abuse, as we know, is not unique to high poverty areas, but it can be more highly concentrated here. When people ask, as they sometimes do, they'll say, why do the poor sometimes find it hard to get out of their situations? We should always remember that, like with any of us, there are layers and layers of mental and emotional health that also have to be navigated in addition to the socioeconomic matters that have to be navigated. In a community and in a wider culture that shies away often from honest conversations about mental and emotional health, the damage that's done from abuse or molestation is often not discussed very often. Likewise, there's a tendency to blame the victim or to simply not believe them. This happens, I imagine, due to fear and shame and a lack of advocacy on behalf of usually women and children who suffer. So in that regard, one way I serve in the community is by volunteering as a court-appointed special advocate or as a CASA uh, for abused and neglected children. I'm almost into my second year of a case involving one little boy whose leg was broken twice before he was two months old. The mother, it turns out, has been physically abused for over a decade by the child's father, including one case in which the mother was beaten while her child was still in the womb. So this little boy, who's now two years old and has been in foster care for 22 months with a lovely person in Lake Providence who cares very well for the child, this little boy is already growing up, already before the age of two. He's growing up uh, with the, the instability and the often hidden violence that marks the lives of so many who live in poverty and many people who aren't living in poverty. In brief, then, as a CASA, what I do is uh, I research past court records, which is how I found out about the 10-year history there of abuse, uh, do follow-ups with the child, I write court reports um, every so often when the court date rolls around, try to fill in, uh, try to fill in the gaps that, uh, as is the case everywhere, that overworked and overloaded caseworkers um, that they may not be able to cover. As attorneys uh, do the good work that they do in adjudicating the case on behalf of the, the child in the state, a CASA volunteer tries to make sure that the best interests of the child, uh, that those are also heard and advocated. In addition to this, in addition to volunteering as a CASA, I also work with a regional domestic and sexual abuse task force for northeastern Louisiana. Currently, there are no trained volunteers to offer domestic abuse counseling classes or parenting classes in East Carroll Parish, which is something we're trying to fix with this task force. So when domestic abuse victims or the abusers are told to seek counseling for their situation, 
Uh, as is the case with a lot of needed services in the area, they'd have to travel at least an hour and a half away to find it. So you can imagine a lot of things slip through the cracks that way. Remind you that with a 56% level poverty rate, a lack of cars, a lack of gas money, and again, a culture that shames therapy, uh, these factors do not necessarily allow or at least encourage people to get the help that they need. Uh, Together for Hope, we have some new office space now that's downtown in Lake Providence, and I've offered to the heads of the task force a free place to meet as they work on getting trained volunteers to offer the programs. Be in prayer that we can find the resources and the volunteers, most importantly, to complete these expensive trainings. They are expensive and they're time-consuming, as we are uh, wanting to get these classes offered and made available in town. I know this. I'm on this particular case, been working it for a year, and I've seen that uh, all parties involved, they cannot get the services that they need in town as far as this slice of the issue goes. On a more day-to-day basis, as a lot of you know, and as I've talked about over the past couple of years, uh, I do a lot of work in adult education, and uh, primarily I, that comes about by teaching adult GED, or HISET, as it's called in Louisiana. Uh, this has been one of our biggest successes, I'd say. I've had 19 graduates in a little over a year with four more individuals who are one portion away from finishing their GEDs also. There had been a two or three year gap in Lake Providence with no GED graduates at all prior to my taking on the class back in November of 2016. Let me tell you, that's not because I'm a great teacher necessarily. The reason is, is that it's often hard in the Delta to staff teaching and education positions because the pay is often not great, as is true across the country, but also because of the rural isolation of the Delta, most young adults coming out of college understandably are not that excited or are not trying to make their way to a place like Lake Providence or insert any other small town in the Delta to begin their teaching career. As I've said here, and as I often joke, I'm an hour, but it's true, I'm an hour and a half away from a Target or a movie theater or Starbucks. So again, that's not the first draw for people who are coming looking for work in this career. Uh, so this, uh, the same thing that affects our public schools also, again, affects our GED program as well. They hadn't had a teacher uh, in quite a while, almost a year. Uh, so I was, it, it worked out. I was fortunate to be able to step into, the, into this role in the community in such a way and to be a resource for them. I had a background in education uh, prior to coming to Lake Providence. Um, it was not teaching algebra or geometry, but um, I've learned and we, uh, we figure it out as best we can uh, in the GED class. Uh, regarding these opportunities, uh, the GED opportunities, I want to test. I want to uh, highlight just a couple of things uh, that CBF Louisiana and Broadmoor, um, that you all have been instrumental, whether you know it or not, you have been, in helping uh, with some key developments around uh, this issue. First of all, it costs ninety dollars to take the test, the GED test which in a very high poverty area is an amount that easily discourages many people from taking it. One of the first things I say to students when they come into me, usually they're adults, 20, 30 years old, 
when they come in, I, I let them know that scholarship help is available to them because that's always the first question that they ask. How much does it cost to be in the program and how much do the tests cost? Um, we waive the fee in Lake Providence. Don't tell anybody we do that, but we do. We waive the fee in Lake Providence. We're not supposed to, but the, to say you've got to pay $30 to be in the class would turn away people. They'd walk out the door right away. Um, good, bad, or indifferent, that's just most likely what would happen. But also say that we have uh, scholarship help available. Um, I'd say about 16 of the 19 graduates uh, who have graduated over the past year or so that they have needed and took advantage of this scholarship help and they went on to complete their testing they finished and they got their GED. I should say as a quick aside, um, someone asked this just a few days ago, I was talking somewhere else and uh, five of the 19 graduates, five of the 19 have gone on to enroll in additional training courses and or educational programs. Usually in the Delta, that's nursing, uh, whether that's the certified nursing assistant course or whether that's the practical nursing um, course. Certified nursing is a lot shorter, eight weeks typically, so that's, that works for some folks. And there's always a need. There are jobs available in the nursing field in East Carroll. There are not many jobs available in East Carroll, but there are available in nursing. Um, so several, those five have gone on to do additional training in those programs. But the other 12 or 13 have moved out of the Delta for job opportunities. They usually move to larger cities like Baton Rouge or Shreveport or Dallas-Fort Worth, wherever they may happen to have family members, typically. Um, they will go to live with them where there are more job opportunities. And this is the catch-22 for rural poverty in that, and again, I emphasize rural there, in that we educate and provide job training for people, but since there are so few jobs available, these individuals then will take the skills and education and move elsewhere, and that's good for them. I don't blame them at all for that, but it, as you can see, it creates sort of a, a, a one-way exit out of the community once those skills are, are gained. Um, but again, that's good for them. They, you gotta do what you gotta do to go and live your life and, and find a job if you can. And, the sad thing is that in the Delta, those jobs just aren't coming. They just aren't coming anytime soon. Now, for the, the, the first time, or I'm sorry, for the first uh, almost two years of my teaching the GD program, uh, students, as I probably mentioned last year, students were required to travel over an hour and a half one way to reach a testing site. This, of course, proved to be a huge barrier for many of my students as 90, I'd say about 90% of my students do not have cars. Most of them, they all walk to school if they're not dropped off, but many walk at least half a mile or more just to get to the campus. Uh, but thanks again to CBF congregations, um, I was able to provide transportation to the students for these first two years uh, as they were ready to test to ensure that they could actually reach the testing that they needed. In light of this, I want to tell a story. If, if you get, I don't know if you get or read the CBF newsletters. If you do, you may know this story already. Bear with me, but I'm going to tell it again. But if you don't, then this will be your first time hearing it, and that's good too. Last year, uh, it was really about a year ago, after speaking at Broadmoor, one morning in worship, um, I received a particularly generous uh, gift from a donor who will be uh, left anonymous. And as I got back to Lake Providence, I was discerning how best to put this donation to use. And I realized that perhaps I could use it in some way to make it possible for students to be able to take their GED test in Lake Providence. 
Now keep in mind that a portion, I teach morning classes, I also teach night classes, but the morning classes that I teach occurs on and through the small local community college branch in Lake Providence. It's part of the Louisiana Delta Community College system. We have a little, little branch of it there in town. All three of the programs that we offer, nursing, welding, and GED. And while I'd been asking for uh, over a year, I'd been asking for over a year why my students had to travel so far to reach a testing site, all of which were on other branches of the same community college system. And I was always told, given the, the, budget, the state budget and whatnot, I was always told that it, there just simply wasn't enough money there to make that type of thing happen. So I started thinking, since Together for Hope had some new office space downtown and since we had received this, this particular donation, that perhaps we could establish our own testing site in Lake Providence. So I started doing some research into how to make that happen and I called down here to Baton Rouge to speak to someone in the state offices of the system and I tell the person on the phone, I said, hey look, I work with this you know, local nonprofit up in the Delta and we're looking to establish a testing site for the GED program since there's not one in our parish or the parish south of us or the parish to the west of us. To the east of us is the Mississippi River, of course. So there's not one anywhere in the area. Well, this person um, took the liberty, rightly so, uh, took the liberty of calling the person who, through the community college system, was effectively my boss. Mind you that my boss had not been on the Lake Providence campus in over a year. But after this phone call, the very next day, unannounced, my boss shows up at my door in the middle of my class. It was a pleasure to see this person. <laughs> since it had been over a year since this person had come to the campus, um, I took the liberty of finishing my uh, lesson on the Pythagorean theorem before <laughs> we stopped and had whatever meeting it was that they, well, that I'm about to tell you about that they wanted to have. Um, th this person was not pleased, apparently, that I had made the call to Baton Rouge. Um, and they let me know this, uh, but me being the, uh, as I try to be at least, the nice Christian guy that I am, I simply said in response, I said, hey, you know, look, I said, I didn't mean to cause a stir. I said, I wasn't, you know, trying to, to you know, go outside of the chain of command or however it was that they had framed it um, when they started to tell me how upset they were. I said, I didn't mean to do that. I said, but, I said, but you got to understand something. I said, I've got churches and, and individuals and people of faith all across the state of Louisiana, I said, and um, that I'm connected with, I said, and they want to help make it possible for students here in East Carroll to get their GED in East Carroll. I said, and this is all true, I said, now here we are, one of the most impoverished parishes in the state, and in a town that was at one point named the poorest town in the United States, I said, and we're telling residents that they have to travel up to an hour and a half away just to get their GED, but then, now I didn't say this part, this is me while I'm on a roll up here. I said, but then we want to say, oh, East Carroll Parish, nothing good can come out of East Carroll. East Carroll Parish, no one wants to get an education. There's no reason to put any programs in East Carroll Parish. No one's interested. No one's going to go and do the hard work necessary. 
But look at the systems that's are, that are in place, right? But then we, that narrative feeds itself and we go on speaking negatively in that way. I said, but anyway, I said, look, I said, and I, I did say this, I said, I said, look, I understand. I said, I know the state budget is tight. All over the place it's tight and cuts are being made, et cetera, et cetera. I said, but, I said, if you go outside in my classroom, out of my office, I said, and you look on that wall, I said, I've got a list of several graduates, i.e. people can graduate, people can do it in East Carroll. I said, but I've got a list of several graduates out there. I said, and every single one of those graduates, I said, I have personally loaded up in my car and we have driven multiple times for each student back and forth to Monroe usually just so that they can test. I said, so again, I didn't mean to do anything wrong. I said, but I've got the money, and I've got the space, and I've got the time. So I'm just trying to figure out how we can make this thing happen here in Lake Providence. Can you work with me at least in that regard? And while I believe she was still fit to be tied, um, we moved forward from that day. And it took a little time to, to put this in place, but I am happy to say that uh, that she left that day and lo and behold she ended up finding a way for us to test on our little itty bitty community college site and as of this past June we offered our first ever GED testing in Lake Providence. We tested in June and we tested in August and September. We just had one last week and we will do it again in October and November and if you don't think that means a lot in East Carroll let me tell you that it does. Let me be real candid about something as I tell you this story. This would not have been possible if it were not for the financial support of congregations like yours. If I had just been a GED teacher in Lake Providence without the backing of Together for Hope, and let me be very clear what I mean by that, if I didn't have a separate paycheck for my full-time income to fall back upon, I most likely like many others, would not have felt the liberty or the financial freedom when my boss walked into that class that day to say the things that needed to be said, to know that I could make that risk of advocating and pushing in the way that needed to be pushed, and to know that I would still be able to have a roof over my head and to put food on my table and to pay my bills. I didn't fear that when that confrontation happened. Does that make sense? That, <laughs> to, have them, to have them do what needed to be done all along anyway, that's the overarching narrative. If I could tell one story of why Together for Hope matters or why it's important, that's why. People call me a director or a missionary or a teacher or a reverend. It doesn't matter what you call me. But what I try to primarily do are things just like that, and it's to advocate for the people of Lake Providence and at least to try to press on the systems that exist such that they function a little more justly and fairly and efficiently, knowing that I have the backing of congregations across the state, that I can say what needs to be said in a pastoral way. <laughs> Uh, but to say and to do that and to know that I will still have a standing at the end of the day in town. When I'm not doing those types of things, I'm just trying, in Lake Providence, I'm just trying to add capacity for the people who are already there and for the numerous people who are working very hard every day to do the things that need to be done in an otherwise very difficult situation. I'm certainly not the only one doing that in Lake Providence. 
I wanted to highlight these roles. I do a lot of other things, but I'll, I'll spare you that, those details for now. Um, I serve on a lot of other boards. We still tutor. We still do Bags of Hope, of course. We still do the art program, et cetera. We do, we've done a, our second um, summer literacy camp at Southside Elementary School this, as well this year. Um, but I highlight my role as a CASA, and I highlight my role with the GED program um, because I do think they touch upon, in a very direct way, our scripture passage for this morning, and I'm almost done, I promise. When we read this passage in Revelation, it stands out that John says that he sees people from all over the world, from all backgrounds and tribes and languages, and they all gather together around the throne of God, dressed in white, holding palm branches, and what they share in common, the passage says, is not their nationality, it's not their being good Protestants, it's not their political views, it's not their correct theological views of the world or God, what they share in common, strangely enough, is that they've been through some great ordeal. I think tribulation was the, the word used in the passage this morning. And we don't know what that ordeal was, but we are right to presume that the ordeal involved some great amount of suffering. And so here we find, yet again, as we find all throughout our Bible, from the prophets to Jesus to John, who was suffering on the Isle of Patmos, John, the one who received this revelation, we see that God, over and over again, God gathers together those whose hearts ache, whose bodies have been broken, whose bellies know what it's like to hunger and to thirst. Christ ushers in God's kingdom, as we've heard in the prayer, on behalf of those who weep, on behalf of those who mourn so that they who cry will cry no more, that those who suffer will suffer no more, that those who thirst and hunger will do so no more. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he was teaching us that through his life, death, and resurrection, that the God of all that is is moving in such a way as to bring beauty and truth and justice and goodness and righteousness into the world right now through Christ until that day when all tears are wiped away. That's the good news of the gospel. And we, the church, are the very ones that Christ calls to keep repeating this good news on behalf of the poor and oppressed and those who suffer we, the church, are the ones Christ calls to work to usher in the reign of God more fully into our communities to the extent that our abilities and our spheres of influence will allow us to do so. Folks, will we ever, will we ever bring in God's reign completely, God's kingdom? Will you and I ever establish a day where none will go hungry, when there are no more tears or no more poverty? Most likely not. But that doesn't change the fact that Christ taught us to pray for God's kingdom to come to earth or that James said that faith without works is a dead faith or that Christ said when you care for those who are suffering, you are doing those things unto him, our Lord, as we heard in our children's message this morning. All I try to do in Lake Providence, and I don't do it perfectly, but I try to see Christ in my neighbor's especially in those neighbors where folks say Christ cannot be seen, and I hope that they see Christ in me likewise. I'm glad that you all support the ministry of Together for Hope. 
because by extension you are participating in and you are making possible that very love of neighbor and mission that Christ calls us to. You're making possible the facilitation of God's kingdom breaking through into our world. You're helping hardworking students have a fighting chance to access the resources that they need. You're helping a hurt baby and his abused mother hopefully have a better future than has been their past. I can tell you East Carroll Parish needs that love and it needs your help and it needs this ministry of CBF Louisiana. So thank you for making it possible and thank you for working with me as we pray for God's kingdom to come on earth and in Baton Rouge and in Lake Providence just as it is in heaven. Amen and amen.
Thanks for listening to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the official podcast of Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, please feel free to contact us on Twitter via at Broadmoor underscore BC or find us on Facebook at Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge. Thanks for stopping by and we hope to see you again.